Welcome to A State of Mind with me, Julian Ocean. Today I'm talking with Leslie Rogers. This was a really provocative, interesting conversation for me. I met Leslie in a 10-month coaching program, a very intensive program that focused on becoming a personal coach, on relationships, and on sexuality. So I've been a part of the personal growth and self-help world, so to speak, for a number of years now, and I still am. I'm working as a therapist, obviously, and meditation teacher and workshop facilitator. And I have to say that the work that Leslie and his partner, Tani, are doing is really unusual and I think cutting edge and, um, yeah, provocative. I can't think of a better word for it. They named their organization the Light Dark Institute because they play with the light and dark aspects of our being. And they would put things like meditation and mindfulness and a lot of therapies and healing modalities in the light group. And in the dark, they play with things like BDSM, like pretty extreme, pretty challenging um, ways of accessing different parts of ourselves. And I appreciate the way Leslie talks about uh, more than just making friends with these different parts of ourselves, but actually loving them, actually becoming lovers through them, consensually embodying them fully, and then discovering what happens. And it's often something different than what you expect. But I think part of the point that Leslie is making here in this conversation and in his work is that these aggressive and quote-unquote dark drives and instincts and parts of ourselves are actually not good or bad in and of themselves. And that through uh, consciously and consensually exploring them in relationship in a safe container, you can actually discover play and be surprised. And you might be surprised at how other people experience you when you are in those darker aspects of ourselves much better than repressing them or ignoring them, acting like they don't exist. So while in the world of therapy, you know, therapists may be debating whether or not it is okay to hug a client, for example. In the workshops and work that Leslie and Tani are doing, play and touch uh, are very much encouraged and taking on different roles. And so it's really exciting. And, you know, it's not therapy. It's not in that container. Um, it's its own thing. But it has elements of healing and mindfulness included within it. And that's the light and dark piece. And so there's actually a deep uh, spirituality there. And part of my angle here, which I discussed with Leslie, is that I'm someone who's been immersed in non-dual spirituality traditions, such as Mahamudra and Dzogchen and the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And there, there's such an emphasis on primordial purity, that everything in its essence is pure, uses that kind of language. And so for me, it makes sense that it's worthwhile accessing different parts of ourselves that are already there. It, it's worthwhile not repressing everything that doesn't fit into the mold or idea about who we think we are. And actually, if you uh, look at and understand some of the iconography of Vajrayana Buddhism, for example, you see all kinds of crazy demons and... If you look at the Hindu tradition, there's Kali with the severed heads. A typical depiction of a wrathful or even semi-wrathful deity in Vajrayana Buddhism, you know, shows the deity standing on the body of a corpse, which represents your ego or your false self-identifications, your limiting self-concepts, maybe drinking a skull cup filled with blood, wearing a necklace of freshly severed skulls that uh, symbolize the disturbing emotions and ignorance being cut at the root, um, 
And so these aspects of our nature are seen in their divine form. And I think that's beautiful and powerful. And we discuss that a little bit in this conversation. Some years ago, I did get to experience Tani and Leslie's work firsthand. So I know it can be healing and transformative. And I know that that is their intention with it. I think it can lead to altered states of consciousness, uh, experiences of flow, experiences of complete surrender, such that your normal preoccupations and concerns are nowhere to be found. And that in and of itself can be very healing and liberating for people. So this rather long preamble has included something of a warning. This is an adult conversation. Um, and, you know, he speaks his mind and he says some things you may or may not agree with. And in our conversation, you can hear some of our differences. And that's part of the beauty and part of the point of this podcast. I really appreciate his voice and him being fully himself and putting this out there. And so without further ado, I bring you Leslie Rogers. Okay, today I'm here with Mr. Leslie Rogers. Uh, we met at this really intensive coaching program, personal growth development kind of program um, that had a lot to do with relationships and sexuality. And you have now founded or co-founded the Light and Dark Institute with your partner, Tani. And I think you have a background in improv theater, right? I was always impressed with your theatricality, your ability to take on voices and roles and, and help facilitate that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been really interested in theater and psychology and have some background in improv. Um, I didn't actually even consider that background as I started when we created the Light Dark Institute and how it uh, played into what I was up to. For so It's kind of amazing to me that I, it took me a while to like even link that the two were related to each other. But um, oh, that's interesting. I, yeah, <laughs> because it was coming. I, I so just to give you everybody some background, like the Light Dark Institute and what I do is I, I really create, I teach. We we teach and we create experiences for people to really get into and have a visceral experience of their dark side, of mm. parts of themselves where you've either rejected or deny and and like how did I actually get into those that darkness and really embody mm. it and all the gifts of power and connection and actual love that come when you can actually like fully embrace that part of you yeah it, it's so beautiful it's a it's a terrifying practice you know uh because a lot of i mean we can talk about it in the when we were just kind of talking about it, it's like yeah i want to love myself more but to actually like yeah but what about that one spot you know, what about that spot where you get angry and want to kill people? What about that spot? <laughs> you know, yeah. And like, well, I can love it from afar as an idea, but like actually getting into that creature inside of you and actually letting that come through you. What is it to mm. that? What is it? What does that have to share and teach you instead of you banishing it? And we're trying to we're trying to control it. Trying to control it. Yeah, exactly. Oh. The main way we try to control these things is like keep them in cages or keep them keep them under wraps. Um, but 
so much of our identity is, you know, it's, it's made up of all these different facets and fragments of, of conditioning and fears and traumas and moments that it's really, mm. you know, we think of ourselves as ourselves, but like, as we, you know, in the dark, we, you know, it's, it's scary because you're actually exploring parts of you, parts of that are there, that are there all the time, but yeah, right. you don't see them. So it's, it's, it's a terrifying thing to, to crack the, the door open on your identity. And that's what we're <laughs> specialized in creating, creating spaces where it feels really safe, not only safe, but really fun and pleasurable to do so. Cause mm. it actually, ultimately it's really scary and it seems like really awful and like a bad idea, but what happens when you actually go there, when you really let yourself fully go there is it's always, well, I wouldn't say it's not, I wouldn't say it's always, just pure pleasure, but it's, it's a very, can be a very ecstatic, pleasurable experience. So. Mm, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I want to um, highlight a few things you just said. Like, first of all, you're speaking to parts of ourselves, right? Like we tend to think of ourselves as like a, you know, I'm Julian, I'm one person. And then when we pay attention more closely, there's, there's different parts of ourselves. There's sub personalities. I mean, I see this really clearly in myself now and studying psychology and working as a therapist. I see it in other people. And there's different ways you could talk about it, but, you know, the part of yourself that's coming out when you haven't eaten all day and you're starving is going to be different than when you're well-rested or when you show up for a date with someone and you're excited about it, that's going to be a different kind of part of yourself or parts of yourself than when you're going to your nine to five and you're tired and doing the same thing every day or, or wherever. I mean, it's just, it's very varied. Yeah. But what you're speaking what a, to is something like beautiful way to put all that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, the what you're speaking to is is the dark side, dark sides, or dark dark parts of ourselves, because it's plural. There's more than one. And for people listening, like the the work you do is really really incredible. And the Light and Dark Institute, we haven't even gotten into what that looks like. What does it mean? How do you create a space where you can access these things? But the truth is, you. Like, I just imagine someone listening to this and, yeah, you could think, oh, yeah, I have a dark side or, you know, we've all seen Star Wars or whatever it is. But, like, actually being in the space with you and having that called forth is a totally different experience. And it is scary. And it could be very unsettling or unstabilizing because these core ideas that we have about who we are get challenged. And I think it's important to do that and then to have, to be able to integrate it and have aftercare and to make sense of it in a positive way mm-hmm. so that you become more whole and complete. That's, that's how I understand it. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's, it's why we call the, this, you know, organization that, that where we, we teach this work through the light dark Institute. And that's the light part of is like really learning how to integrate it into your life and, and like have mm-hmm. it actually bring more enjoyment and pleasure and connection into your life and and you know kind of like our sub agenda is that you become more powerful more connected to your heart and you start actually like Mm. you 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 easily and naturally just flow into helping to take care of this planet and these people on this planet you know like that's 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 wonderful like what i want for myself and everyone else (sighs) yeah so that if we get more in touch with these different parts of ourselves. And I don't know, maybe one way to say it would be making friends with them. Mm-hmm. Well, then, I, you know, maybe I would, I think lovers, you know, it's lovers. like, that's oh, what okay. I'm interested in. It's like, it's like, 
you're not just becoming, it's not like, cause only because lovers, there's a way of joining that happens, you know, whereas like friends, it's like, you're over there and you're awesome. And I get some support from you sometimes. Like that's awesome too. But I'm really like the thing I'm really going for in myself when I'm exploring my dark parts is like, we're already so connected. Why would I just want to be friends with you? I want to know you inside and out as I already do, as you know, me inside and out, like we know each other. Is it, is it like, like making love, like becoming lovers with parts of yourself or is it like you become these other parts of yourself and then make love or love from that place? That's beautiful. Like, yeah, that I think, I think that's, it's, it's more, uh, probably a better description is that you become that and make love from that place. Mm. And, but just like in that general sense of like making friends with myself, you know, I guess mm-hmm. it depends on the word friend, you know, right. Um, like, like there, if, if we're talking about like really deep connected lifelong friendships, then yes, I guess mm. that is really appropriate. Yeah. Well, no, it's a good distinction because when you are lovers with somebody, you, you fight, you wrestle, you make love, you go out to eat or whatever you hang out, but it's like, it's, it's much more, hmm, there's much more ups and downs than just in a typical friendship, I would say. Right. I mean, there's a lot more potential for strong emotions for showing different parts of yourselves will show up like just automatically when you're in a sexual relationship, I think. I mean, that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and ultimately like the reason I think it's, it's, it's a good way to think about it is because it's already the case, you know, like we're already mm-hmm. in a really like deep, profound relationship with these different parts of ourselves. Some parts we're really aware of, and we're like totally awesome, pretty good with like, yes, I like that, you know, just to give some concrete examples of myself, you know, the parts of me that are like confident and smart and witty and uh, kind of like overtly loving and caring. I'm like totally in approval with, I'm like, you guys can come around anytime. Like as long <laughs> as, as long as you're that, like, that's great. Like I'm yeah. so psyched to have you, but the parts of me that are petty, selfish, vindictive, uh, violent, uh, hateful, entitled, mm-hmm. you know, violating, like all these parts of like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Get out of here. Let me heal you. Let me fix you. Let me make you into something you are not like you or, or let me stuff you under the covers if I can't. Mm-hmm. And yeah. What is the, what's the problem with doing that? I mean, what's the problem with saying, yes, I can be a selfish dick, but I'm going to choose not to be today. You know I mean? That's, there's something positive about that approach at times too. Well, I, you know, I agree that, you know, you can, how, how you behave with others is, uh, I think it's, I think it's a really positive thing to choose consciously how you're going to behave with others. Right. Mm, right. It's, it's like when you, so, cause if you're choosing consciously, you know, usually in my, if, if we're actually consciously choosing these things, we're not coming from a place of like something bad is happening inside or outside of me and I need to stop it, squash it, crush it, separate, disconnect from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's kind of like uh, the vigilant emergency response, right? If we get triggered, right. or somebody, somebody offends us or hurts us or, or we think are offending or hurting us, we, we go to these triggered responses. And the reason that happens is because part of the reason that happens, and this is, this is one of the kind of cool 
unique parts of the work that I, that, that I, the approach of the light dark Institute, which is, it's like, it's like the, the light part of, of like getting triggered or activated by somebody like say somebody calls you an asshole, you know, and then, you know, maybe my immediate response would be like, I'm not an asshole. You're an asshole. You know what I mean? Like just, just get the most basic base, base idea example of this. <laughs> well, you know, when somebody calls me an asshole and there's somebody inside going like, I'm not an asshole, you're an asshole. Actually, that one's going off inside of me is an asshole. Like <laughs> he's the one that's yeah. like, I'm an asshole and 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 now I'm being called out. And then this other part of me comes and is like, no, 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 no. You will not call me that. You're the ass. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to project it back at you in order that's to so not be seen as that thing. As opposed yeah. to if I was to like being touched and in love with that part of myself of, you know, being an asshole or somebody's like, you're an asshole. It's like, I can't control what they're thinking or saying, but I do know that parts of me are assholey, you know, (laughs) in in what that means, you know, like whatever that means, like, Oh yeah, maybe that part came through and they saw that part. Hmm. What does that part want? You know? Oh, I was feeling upset that you said blah, blah, blah. You know, and I totally, then I dismissed you or, you know what I mean? Like it leads to, it can lead to like better, connection and conversation when we're in approval of those parts of ourselves and we don't need to defend against them. But beyond that, you know, embodying the asshole, ironically, it's like, it's like, you know, yes, we can be in approval of this, but when we actually embody these things fully consciously, what actually comes through is different. And because we, because when we're consciously, we're consciously choosing it in relationship with somebody else. So if sometimes it's really awesome to be around an asshole, like, (laughs) comedians are assholes a lot. Like that's true. A lot of times they bring, it's like, or, or another word for it that I use from the, from, from kink or BDSM, there's sadists, right? Like mm. everybody thinks, well, nobody likes a sadist or a torturer, except we love sadists. We love them. The better <laughs> the sadist, the better, the more it's like comedians. All they do is mm. either torture the crowd or torture themselves. And we right. sometimes it's self-directed. That's, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Right. So part of what you're saying is when somebody comes at you with a lot of anger and they're like, you fucking asshole. And then you could throw that anger back at them or you could be curious. That's part of what I heard you saying, like yeah. get curious. What is it that they're seeing? And then if you have approval for that part of yourself, then the response isn't one of defensiveness, basically. Right. You can leave a reactive mind, which there's a lot of different practices for being in approval of yourself, and not being reactive. You know what I mean? And the work we do can definitely leads to that as well. But there's also this extra part of it where it's like, and there's more of you available to express. Mm, Like in those times, like in the bedroom where some, you know, that the dynamics between you, that, 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 you know, the asshole is wanted. (laughs) (laughs) There's a place place for him. There's a place for him or you're, you know, hanging out with a friend and, you know, they're they they suddenly suddenly you want to be an asshole to them and you trust it and you let it come through it actually doesn't even sound that asshole actually it was really penetrating and you actually mm. like, touch them and there's connection right you know, okay that i like part of me was I, an asshole but actually it was the part of me that really like wants to wants to have an impact wants to connect right, right? that that last point i think has been really important in my life and like hmm because there's there's a part of me that will want to censor and keep the lid on things and then sometimes i you know it'll like come out and i'll say the thing that i was thinking but but thinking also thinking that i shouldn't say and then oftentimes people will 
respond favorably. Like it was more in my own mind. Like, oh, that's a negative thing to say. I shouldn't say it. But it's like a directness, a clarity, um, a strength to it. And I've experienced that with mm. with teachers or with coaches that I've had personally, where like they will be kind of an asshole, and I'll be actually grateful for it. I'm like, oh shit, you just came out and like said the fucking thing, and like mm-hmm. like being real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 part of that capping the way we cap it is we put judgments over it. Like that part, Oh, I'm going to be an asshole. I better not say it. Right. 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 But that's just our judgment of it. And that's what puts it in the dark. Right. It's like assholes are bad. I don't want to be an asshole. So I won't say it. Right. Or assholes are bad. I don't want to be an asshole. So I, I won't, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to engage in something else that prevents me from feeling this part of me because I consider this part of me as Mm. bad. This part of me is worthless. This part of me is whatever judgments we put on it is how we put it in the dark. And then we either go to compensatory behavior, like trying to get out of it, addiction mm. kind of behavior, or like, okay, I'm going to go distract myself. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to, you know, do anything to get out of this feeling that's arising, this thing that wants to express through me, because it's not okay that it expresses. And as, as you get into like the realization, the more and more embodiment of how awesome it is to let those more uncomfortable feelings where our judgments are coming up to come through, like more approval to let them actually have their day in the sun through our bodies. It's like you start to, you, you expand the possibilities of your experience, not just in, not just like through your expression, but also in the connections you have with other people mm. because now it's like you thought only like we're only we only know what we know and that's the magic of the dark is the dark knows more than what we know because mm-hmm. the dark contains all the hidden desires all the hidden longings and all the hidden um a lot of like wisdom through that through that perspective that can come through you know yeah. like, like that asshole suddenly knows shit it's like what how did, how did you, how did <laughs> things come through me all the time? I have no idea how I knew it or how I thought it. And I think everybody has that experience, mm. but the more yeah. in touch with your dark side you are, the more you have that experience because you're more in touch with ultimately more of you, more whole sense of you. Right. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. I mean, and they're literally, um, is you bringing the body into it a lot, which I appreciate and which comes through in, in BDSM, right? But like we literally have, all these neurons in our gut, right? In our heart, in our brain. We like there's different centers of our of our brain basically throughout our body. Like you know, neuroscientists are starting to look at it that way, that the gut is its own kind of brain, so to speak. Yeah, totally. Uh, so there's this like gut knowing that our thinking mind might be clueless about. It. And I, I see it with people where like you meet somebody and you'll get a gut instinct and then if that gut instinct is negative and you're trying to be a nice, good person, you might not listen to it. And that might come back to bite you in the ass, so to speak. Like there might be some reason why that, why you feel that way. Yeah. Or like just to give that as an example, you get a gut feeling and you want to, you know, so much of our dynamics, it's like, it's like kind of like the, we, we create these stories of identity over something. So what I mean by that is like I meet somebody, I get like say a, like what I would describe as a negative gut reaction. Mm. And like I might look back at that and be like, uh, you, you know, after because I stuff part of myself, I stuff that because I want to be a nice guy or I don't want to like rock the boat or whatever the reason. And then my relationship with this person goes and then at some point they piss me off or something goes wrong. And then I go back to like, God, I had that gut instinct. I should have trusted it. 
uh, this person was just untrustworthy. But what I would propose, and this is what I'm learning to see more and more as I do this work, it really exposes is in that moment, what you didn't trust was your gut, right? But it wasn't about it, like another way of seeing this is it wasn't about that person being trustworthy or untrustworthy or an asshole or whatever. It was about something in you is arising that you didn't trust. And without that, that arising, you're going to either, you're going to have a false relationship with this person that was inevitably mm-hmm. going to lead to a distrust, a distrusting relationship. Right. Interesting. Like the initial kind of clamping down or ignoring of a part of yourself or some intuition leads to a less genuine relationship, which could create more trouble in the future. And inevitably does. Well, yeah. Unless you, unless you just avoid that too. And just kind of like (laughs) my favorite ways to handle difficult relationships is to disappear. Right. Because it's like, that's me being afraid of my own darkness. Well, and it's so easy to disappear today in today's world. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to do that. And I think that there's a cost to that. And I've experienced that in my own life. If a difficulty arises with somebody, it can be so powerful to heal that in relationship. But it really takes both people wanting to show up and do that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, it's like, it's like there's those opportunities after that moment, but it's just realizing those moments. If we can go back to those moments where there was like that gut instinct at the beginning or that like something, something went off there and I didn't notice, I didn't notice, but the more in touch with your own darkness that you get into, the less impulsive avoidance there is, is in my experience, at least for myself and the people that I work with. Like we don't, it's like, Oh, I don't even need to avoid that part of myself. That part's awesome. It's like, Hey, I didn't like, actually what you just said there, I don't agree with, um, right. or like, wow, I noticed I'm pissed at you right now. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. it, what could, that could turn into from that moment. It's like a whole different relationship is possible. A whole mm, different right. like timeline opens up with that person. So many possibilities, so many potential possibilities when we can, Yes, yeah, stay in relationship and let go of our ideas, our expectations, our assumptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be there, but we don't have to hold on to them. We don't have to live based on them. I mean, I I had the experience the other night. I I, I hosted um an, this party, this event at my house, and it was it was beautiful. It was amazing. We had a lot of different. We had some different musicians and DJs, and this one guy showed up. Um, and I've, I just feel like a little uneasy, a little unsure around him. Um, and I realize I have some like, there's some jealousy, there's some self-comparison. There's all this stuff going on. And um, But I was thinking that he was standoffish to me. And then talking about it later, I realized like, like I, you know, there's, there's an energetic wall maybe that I'm putting up. And, and then he's reacting to that too. Like it's kind of, it goes both ways. And I right. just saw this in a whole, whole other way. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm at the point where I try to try to take a total like hundred percent responsibility for if somebody's negatively reactive to me and it isn't to say like, I need to do anything about it, you know, but like, just, it's like helpful to me to be like, Oh, there, like there wasn't connection there. And I wanted, if I wanted there to be a connection and there wasn't, then it's like worth it to me to be like, what, what was I doing? You know what I mean? Because that person might have been doing stuff. They might have had who knows what going on with them. 
Really? But I also know that like if I wanted something and I didn't get it, which is like connection with this person, then I, you know, what, like where did I not, where did I not have, like, where did I not experience that? Not to like make myself wrong, but to like learn from it. You know what I mean? I think like, Wait, so can you, can you, know, can you say that again? Like you take a hundred percent responsibility yeah. for, for what exactly? For, for, for example, like, you know, and just like 10,000 tangents coming up here. So I'm like, a little <laughs> like, I think I didn't fully commit to that one. Cause I'm like, Oh, but I had like five other things that I wanted to talk about here just in that example or and yeah. what, we're, what we're addressing here. Um, it just, I mean, when you said envy and jealousy, I was like, yeah. I got excited. Cause it was like, Oh yeah, those are like, those are great dark emotions that, that yeah. Like, well, let's go into it. Cause this just happened. It's like alive for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some envy, some jealousy, some lack of like what is the word? Insecurity, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And um and then and I'm, I'm, you, I'm I'm like thinking that he is standoffish to me. I I'm feeling cut off from him, you know. Mm-hmm. And what what's your envy for him? Like what are you what are you envying about him? He's just he's in like amazing shape. He's very outgoing um and he's a great dancer and he's like very comfortable with his body and like dancing with people and so he has this quality of like openness and extroversion and i tend to be i'm a more introverted person by nature and so i think that's kind of where the, some of that envy stuff comes from mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and when you feel when you feel the envy towards him like when that that feeling of like oh gosh like what what, what is it what happens in you? Like, what are you doing in response to him? That's a good question. Um, I mean, cause so, so on the surface level, like things are okay. Right. I mean, it's, we're, we're not like fighting or something, but it's like, it's just, there's something in me that's a little bit removing myself. And then I am not fully present in the moment, like just enjoying the party and talking to people. I'm a little bit like, just uh, like looking at it a little bit from the outside or like thinking about it, like getting in my head more mm-hmm. and just feeling, feeling, feeling a little bit cut off. And then, and then that's kind of feeding the jealousy because I don't want to feel cut off. So then I'm, and then I'm blaming it on him. I'm like, man, if this guy wasn't here, I would feel more comfortable. Or something. It wasn't quite like that. I mean, that's, I wasn't exactly having that thought. <laughs> and then it's embarrassing. Then I'm embarrassed that I feel that way. Yeah. yeah. So then I want to like go in the other room and like, all right, let's just forget about this. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I love, I love your vulnerability on that. Um, but just, just going back, cause I'm just really curious about if you, so you feel that envy and you, you feel like, you know, kind of avoidant of it or like, like not going into it, but what would happen if you like, you're getting more into your head and a little more disconnected, yeah. but what would, who would you be? What would you say? Well, who, who do you think would come out of you if you didn't do that? If you just let that, that moment of envy as it strikes you come through and you were to express something, what, what do you think you'd say, do be, what would happen? Hmm. Um, yeah, I wonder, I mean, in my mind, when I imagine that it's, I imagine myself making a physical connection because like people are like dancing around us. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, I think what I really wanted, I think what would have happened in that, if I had let that just come through me is I would have, I wanted to connect with him. I wanted to talk to him. And I think Mm. he came into the space, it's my house and I wanted him to like acknowledge me more or make more of an effort to connect with me. And then he didn't so much so. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. So, what, okay. So, if you're to follow that desire, wanting him, because I, because like, there's the there's the the light part I love, which is like you realizing that you want a more connection with him. But the dark part is there's this <laughs> amount of entitlement here that he came into your house, yeah, <laughs> not taking the effort to connect with you, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I, I it was brilliant. So, like, if, let's say you were just out with that entitled part of you, just oh man. What would that be like? What, what would you do? <laughs> you do? <laughs> uh, I feel it feels uncomfortable in my own body just like thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Here we are. Here's yeah. the moment, right? And here's here's like something something. And the reason it's uncomfortable is because it's not allowed, right? There's probably you've been hurt letting this part of you out before. Mm. Yeah, right? probably when you were young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Like when you're a little kid, you can't. It gets like smushed down or yeah, or punished or yeah. No one, if if you can be as entitled as a little kid, you are. <laughs> I mean, it is little kids are pure entitlement as long as they haven't <laughs> completely traumatized out of them before. It's just like such the most natural thing in the world, right? So here mm -hmm. you here you yeah. are. Like he should be connecting with you. you he gave it your house, right? Yeah, it's almost like I would say something like, "Who invited you?" or like. I don't know. I don't know what words would come. <laughs> it was some kind of power dynamic thing. Yeah. That I was wanting to come through, right? Like where I want to be. Yeah. Like establish this is my house kind of thing. Right. I'm not sure what that would even look like in that right. moment. But. Right. And this is where, like, this is a great, this is a great example of like what, what to do like in this moment with our work, like how to approach the situation, because, you know, for us, the light part of what we're doing and, and a really important part, because it's actually more gratifying for the dark parts anyway, is consent. Right. Yeah. Because if I come up to somebody outside of consent, you know, like, yeah, some part of me who gets the violator trash on somebody gets fed, but like, there's actually more like, it's not very fulfilling. Like it's like a hit of adrenaline and it doesn't actually have fulfillment. But if I can let my dark part out with that person and actually get it fulfilled, that's the best. And the only way to do that we found is, is with consent, right? Is like somehow getting that and the way to create consent. Like we have all kinds of containers and ways of, of creating consent. And we can talk a little about BDSM in a little bit here, but like in this situation, he's coming to your house, a dark creature is coming out of you, an entitled one. <laughs> and just to give like an example of like, okay, how to create consent for that entitled one. And, and the, 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 the flashing word here is play, right? Ah, uh, play. Yeah. Because if you can go up and be clearly being playful with him, yeah. right. In, in like being honest, but playful with him, then it's not putting anything on. It doesn't necessarily drag him into a dynamic. He is in your house. There are power dynamics in the world. There are things like you, we, we, there are, there are authorities and things out there socially and legally and all sorts of things that create us, give us a sense that power is real, even though it's really not because we've all yeah. created it based on belief, but, but that is there, right? You're in that world. He's coming to your house. Hmm. And so how to create, consent with him so so if you were like just to give an example if you were to go up to him and just be like hey who invited you 
<laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like playful, playful, smiling, you know? Mm. So you're outing this like entitled part of you. And just, just to kind of, I'm just going to just walk through this, like just as a short intercourse of just like how this works in real life. But it's like, who invited me? Like, like maybe he plays back or maybe he doesn't, you know, like, but let's just say he plays back and he's like, he's like, Oh, my friend, blah, blah, blah invited me. And you know, like, like who, or like maybe he's like, who invited me? You know, like what? I need an invitation. I don't need an invitation. Like who knows, (laughs) who knows the level of play that anybody's going to operate. But the, the key thing is to stay in play. And let's say he's like, he's like, he's in play with you and you're like, Oh, well, and then if you were to go to another dark part of you, Right. Where you, like maybe you stay in that for a little while or maybe you go to the other dark part, which is like, like, um, I think you're a little bit too good for this party, actually. <laughs> like, I, I feel like my, my nothing's actually good enough for you here and I'm not sure why you're here. <laughs> like, just, just to give an example of like outing your projections playfully. Right. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. and like, they can be so fun. It can create so much connection and because you're yeah. being vulnerable, but at the same time, you're not like holding back your expression, you know, and right. like, right. you learn in, in kind of light tools, like how to go up and like, Hey, I noticed I'm feeling a lot of envy towards you. And I wanted to out that so that we can be more connected. Like that's the light approach, right? Right. It's like you framed it in something, but, but the dark happens whether we have light tools or not. And it's like how to get into like, just be more with it, more playful. And they, cause they, not only does it like keep you in the vulnerability, but also it actually prompts more possibility for connection. Yeah. Yeah. And there's more aliveness. There, there's a truth happening, right? Like I was yeah. feeling something and I could have played with it. I could have brought it up instead of, cause the alternative seems like it's like disconnecting, like wanting to go in the other room, like blah, blah, blah. And yeah. so I really appreciate what you're bringing. I mean, to me, this is like, pretty advanced in some ways i mean on the the other hand like anyone could hear this and start doing it but then on the other hand it's like this takes a lot of like self-awareness and like in your workshops you will go and explore the dark sides more fully in a really safe container but this is giving me a sense of how that could start to come out in your social life in the rest of your life Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah and and the world i want to create is the world where if you feel like worshipful towards somebody or envious, like you just go down and bow down to them and say like, <laughs> I worship the ground you walk on. I am so grateful you are here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then that person, and but nobody has to leave play, right? Like everybody, because uh, it's all a play, this whole human interaction thing. That's beautiful. Yeah. Everybody listening to this is actually really good at this already. It's just <laughs> the spots where you think you're not allowed to or shouldn't or it would be bad for you or others. Like those judgments come on and then you shut the play down. But when you're not, when you're in approval of yourself and you're with friends and you feel safe, play just happens naturally. It's actually the best part of life is when we kind of like break the rules of society because then we actually feel closer. Mm. Which ultimately like sex is like the ultimate rule breaker, right? Like when you have sex with somebody, it's like, Oh, you just broke all the rules <laughs> to cover that up. You got naked and you had sex together. Like, Oh, oh no, <laughs> but it's the best part, right? Like the our whole society is based on like create a bunch of rules and then through intimacy, break them all. Oh, interesting. I never thought, I haven't thought about it in quite that way. Hmm. Well, what are the, what are some of the rules that 
sex breaks, like getting naked, I guess that's breaking a rule. It's yeah. taboo to be we naked. Don't, who, yeah, it's illegal <laughs> in most places to be naked. Isn't that crazy? Right. Isn't that amazing? Like, I can break a law of the land by not putting clothes on. Not <laughs> <laughs> <Dumb> at all. <laughs> that is kind of weird to think about. Uh, yeah, there's been all kinds yeah. of, like, but, but rules, like, for sex, it's like, you know, who knows what kind of internal rules that we're given around sex. Like every, all of us have all sorts of rules, you know, it's like, you got like, you might have rules around monogamy. You might have rules around, you know, your own sense of worth or the attractiveness level of the person you're right. with. Or, or marriage, or you, you need to know someone this amount of time or go on yeah, this dates wow. or have this kind of commitment or, yeah, there are tons of uns- often unspoken rules. That's, that's very true. Yeah. And in the most satisfying moments are when we break one of those rules, like, what? <laughs> oh my god like i can get naked in front of somebody and they actually think i'm hot like that's totally rule breaker for some people you know <laughs> like i can be loved for being you know wanting someone mm. <laughs> what a rule break <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and so anyway that, that but just a just a, it's a, it's it's the play is breaking the rules but breaking the rules consensually. Mm. You know because if you break the rules non-consensually you can get this hit but there's then there's this you know what I believe and this you know this and people might disagree with me on this is that the, the main thing the thing we most want the reason we set up the whole human experience the way we have is we want connection. Mm. Like that's what we most, most want. And so we're going to do whatever we think we need to do in order to get that connection. Yeah, I agree. I think that we really deeply want connection. We want to be connected. We want to be known. And um, it's amazing that um, I don't imagine many people would, would use like that. It seems like kind of a surprising idea. Like I remember I first heard that idea I'm like, yeah, like, and like, it's the idea behind a lot of therapy. It's like, oh, we actually want connection. We want to be known. We want to be felt. We want to be seen. But somehow it's like not common knowledge. It's like we're working so hard to make money. We're working so hard to have sex. We're working so hard to look a certain way. And like, what's an underlying reason for all these things? And I think you're touching on something important. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's against the rules in most cases, right? There's all these, there's all these rules for how you get to be connected in our society and culture. And there's certain Hmm. um, advantages to keeping people apart, you know, like it's, it magnetizes, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I forget, I can't, Oh, I'm not going to remember the reference, but you know, it's like, it's like, you know, if you want people to have a lot of children, like, for example, let's say like the Catholic Church, you know, one of its most powerful ways to get mm. people to have children was to make sex taboo, oh, you man. know, because yeah. you make a rule against it and suddenly it becomes a powerful way to connect with each other. Interesting. Right. Like, like the more the more off limits it is, the more intimate it is when you can actually share it consensually with someone. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. It's just such an interesting frame to put on these things, because um, you're not you're not talking about breaking rules in the sense of stealing or hurting other people. It's you're talking more about social norms or right or ways oh. ways we're supposed to be in the world. You know, that's where it gets really weird in the dark, right? 
because there are creatures inside of, of us that like to be stolen from, huh. like to be hurt, like to hurt, right? Like this is where it gets, this is where it goes really dark, right? When we go into those places and this is where we use um, BDSM or kink. If people know that reference, we use the, the that container, Uh, which is like negotiations, safe words and aftercare to start exploring these spots where it's like, you know, humans go to war because we want to go to war. You know, it's not just a necessary evil. Like there are desires in there. People sign up to go do Mm. these things because there is a, there is a creature inside of them that wants to go kill or be a part of something or whatever the reason. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but we, we, we hunt, we kill, there, there are dark, there are things that rules have been made against hmm. inside of us. And, and ultimately we're really interested in getting those fully expressed consensually because if they don't get expressed consensually, it's like a boiling, you know, if you put a lid on a boiling pot of water, it bubbles over. It will explode. Yeah, it explodes. And it may not explode. Like me repressing my killer may not explode at me murdering someone but it might explode in me hitting someone or it might explode in me saying something, killing myself. Maybe that's where my killer goes, you know, or it might explode. And these things, there's a, there, there's an impact on repression, but, but nobody knows how to do it differently. Like, how do you, how, how do you handle these deeper, darker urges that where it's like, Oh, that's not allowed in the civil, in civilization without repression. That's been like the main tool used in society. Yeah. Yeah, and with the the killer example, for sure we have a part of ourselves that can hunt, that can kill. And I think one way it comes out when it's been suppressed and then it pops out is like in a conversation or an argument where like all of a sudden you say something or somebody says something that kind of kills the other person in the conversation. Does that make sense? Like they'll say something and they're like knocked out. They're like, oh, like they've been decapitated metaphorically like they you know they've been destroyed it's in some way you destroyed them you yeah 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 well it's such a cool thing when to me the one of the coolest things about playing in the dark is you open it's like you're you're given new eyes to see the power dynamics and the dark plays that are happening at right underneath the surface underneath the surface yeah mm-hmm. and and it's it's only underneath the surface because things are not allowed to be that way. People aren't allowed to have those feelings or express that way. So they hide it and we help hide it for them mm. and, like and it, they help hide it for us. Right. Absolutely. I think that's so true. Can you repeat again, like using BDSM or kink as a container to work with some of these things? That's kind of the, that's what the light and dark is part of, at least part of what it's about. And, you said something about cons- there's consent, there's a container, and then there's aftercare, right? Is that- yeah, well, well, yeah, just to give, I was giving a little bit of like a sense of what what I mean when I say a BDSM container. Okay. BDSM is like, you know, it actually stands for B-D-D-S-S-M. You know, it's like okay. bondage, discipline, domination, submission, sadomasochism. So the way I see that is like fetishes, power dynamics, and like physical giving and receiving, which is sadomasochism, you know? So like, but, but the BDSM container is like, basically like there's more, there you'll more for people who do BDSM. There's, there's, this isn't necessarily the only bits of it, but this is the most important parts of 
the of the BDSM container that we use in our work, which is negotiate. So like we're we're gonna we're gonna go in and explore a dark part of ourselves, some part that I'm not in approval of. So like let's say I want to explore the part of me that wants to be raped. Mm. That's a that's a, such a common fantasy, right? And and like there's someone in there who's really wanting to have that experience, but it's like I don't actually want to go get raped. Right. Like, <laughs> like at least other parts of me don't want to, you know, <laughs> other parts of me want me to make sure right. I'm safe and healthy and that I don't get a disease and that I, that, right. I, uh, that I don't get like seriously hurt by the experience. So it's so a I, fantasy. Yeah. It's a, it's a fantasy. And, but that fantasy is arrived deriving from a, a desire. And this is like, mm-hmm. you know, in the light, you're Julian, I'm Leslie, right? Mm-hmm that's in the light, the labels we put on ourselves that we've all agreed to go with. Right. right. But in the dark, like there, as we were talking about before, there are lots of different parts and creatures in us and our, our dark desires reveal those dark creatures. Mm. So, okay. So in our, in our work, you know, the, what we, what we help people do is use the BDSM container to create a scene, to create an experience with each other where some part some creature we don't know or have we you know we want more contact with to have more expression to come out more fully can come through so if i'm going to set up let's say so using this example the part of me that wants to get raped or the part of me that wants to hurt someone or the part of me that just wants to be humiliated or the part of me that wants to humiliate someone or the part of me that wants to um you know, be, be a show off entitled little kid, you know, like it's like, like, I could just list it forever and I wouldn't even come close to all the dark creatures there are, but these are just like some basic examples. So I would set up a scene by, you know, I might find someone or someones uh, who, who understand this container and we would negotiate and we would negotiate our desires and our boundaries Hmm. Like what's a like where we want to where we want to where we want to go where we might want to go and what isn't a, what's off the table when we get there or as we go there, which is boundaries. And then we'd go in, explore in a set amount of time or a certain amount of a certain kind of space or whatever it is, and see about having these creatures touch. So if it's like the part of me that wants to be humiliated, maybe I negotiate with somebody to actually humiliate me. So I can have a visceral body experience being humiliated and I can receive it because I have what are known as safe words where as soon as I stop receiving it, I can use a safe word and it means it'll stop. Right. That's so powerful. Um, and that helps you feel safe and be able to let go. And Because mm-hmm. the important part in it is fulfillment. And it's important because in that fulfillment of those, that, that desire, that creature gets to be expressed and embodied. And the reason that's awesome is because you're no longer need to defend against it. So I much more than ever before need to defend less and less my experience being humiliated, which is so powerful because there's so many ways that I act and am in life that, prevent me like i used to be i used to be so it had such social anxiety when i came to went to a, like a gathering of people that i didn't mm. know most of the people yeah. had all these control issues because i literally because of a lot of childhood social trauma i believed people were gonna humiliate me if i didn't like give them the right frame of me 
if I didn't give them the right context of me, like they were going to hurt me, reject me, you know? And so I spent the whole time avoiding humiliation through like my control strategies that after an hour I'd be exhausted and near having a panic attack and just need to get away from everyone. And I would Mm -hmm. leave, you know? And I did a lot of light work on that and got better at it, but it was the dark work of just like embracing, like, actually, humiliation's awesome. You want to humiliate me? <laughs> like, not that they even want to, but I no longer have to defend against that anymore. Because yeah, I'm that, that makes you so powerful. Yeah, exactly. It's so amazing. It's like you, it's like you open the door of the other side of yourself instead of it trying to keep it shut from coming out that part can come out and and then you you it's like you take your power back you stop give like any any ways you're rejecting yourself you're giving your power away to other people right yeah to be an approval of the experience of being humiliated that's i mean it's kind of mind it's mind-blowing to think about it it would change everything if it was really real um, mm-hmm. And we do see that kind of in comedies sometimes, you know, like you can laugh at yourself, but I think you're, you're, I mean, in a certain sense, if you're really in approval of it, you're no longer humiliated, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why fulfillment's so important, right? Because to, to me, is, is, is when you get fulfillment, then you tell your mind, oh, this experience is okay. I don't need to defend against this. Uh, I thought I did because it meant I wasn't loved. But now that I've chosen it and I feel what happens after a scene is aftercare, I feel mm-hmm. still received, loved, and connected to, even though I went to the spot. Mm-hmm. It tells your brain like, oh, then this is okay. This can happen. This is right. allowed. And then through being a yes to it, it stops really being humiliation, right? And then because it comes into the light and instead of humiliation, it becomes being seen being touched. Mm. That's so amazing. I mean, for me, part of what attracted to me to what you were doing and, and resonates with me is um, having been immersed in non-dual spirituality meditation where we are practicing seeing everything as good or perfect or the play of divine consciousness, however you want to. There's different ways you could talk about it but having this quality of like including everything. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the reality is that's, that's way more rare and more difficult than it sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we get in touch with these parts of ourselves that are dark, that are a killer, that are humiliation. I mean, that's, that's a whole nother ball game. So that's, that's part of what, what drew me to some of this stuff and I've explored BDSM a little bit on my own and it does, I mean, it gets you in touch with these parts of yourself. They didn't even know were there. Mm-hmm. So how can you claim to be really fully practicing, you know, non-dual awareness or realization if you're not, if there's these parts of yourself that you don't even know are there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that is what's so cool on a mindfulness front for me mm. is and not that it, all of it isn't mindfulness, but just thinking about it in terms of, of, of um, being clear and being in a relaxed, you know, responsive state to my experience, you know, that's in that place. What I've, what I realized with, with dark plays is we have these dynamics happening internally. Like we get triggered or 
you know, we beat up on ourselves or whatever. We have these internal dialogues going on, which meditation oh, yeah. and those kinds of practices can help start dissolving and transforming and changing. Mm. Um, but what's what I found to be really awesome, and, and I don't think you can only do this through dark work. I think you need the support of light work like meditation um, to like really make it ongoing. But dark work can kind of like it's a it can be a much faster transformation. Because you're getting in touch with the part of you that actually wants to be tortured. Like that is like really likes, like there's part of you that really likes to say you're worthless. And there's another part of you that really likes to be called worthless. And when you get in touch with your pleasure centers around those things, it, it not only changes your external experience, it can also change your internal experience where you're like, you fucking idiot. You didn't take out the God. Da, 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 da. You are so worthless. And when that voice comes in, I can just appreciate that voice. It's like, you worthless piece of shit. Oh, I hate you. And then the other voice that's responsive, like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm terrible. Oh, I'm terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible. I'm so awful. Oh, I'm so awful. And like, on one level, this is a defense strategy to keep us from really being humiliated by, you know, an external, like a person that humiliated us in the past or told us we were worthless. We, we take on the voice so that mm-hmm. if we're beating ourselves up beforehand, somehow it'll like prevent us from feeling the full impact when our parent called us yeah. worthless or made us feel worthless or whatever like it is. We, we internalize the voice and the yeah. self-critic, the beating ourselves up. Yeah. Yeah. But part of the reason we do that is the intimacy factor with that part. It's like, it's like, there's a, it's like we took their voice and we gave it to ourselves. Like, that's so amazing. That's so dark. Right? <laughs> like you literally, pos- you let your parents possess you. You let that school bully possess you. You let that mean ex-girlfriend possess you. And you let that mm. voice come in and live inside of you. That's so dark. And so, so intimate. You just Yeah, it's so intimate. It's so beautiful. And it's like, you know, in the light, it's like, oh my God, I got to stop that. But in the dark, it's like, how do I fully, fully just really get off on this and enjoy oh. it? Yeah, like if you could fully go into it and express it and then maybe it would move through and it wouldn't have to keep looping around forever. Right. But And this is where it's like, here's the trick though. And I, I think this is similar with light work too, in a lot of ways, but if you, so, so when I talk about light work, just to kind of give you a distinction, I'm talking about like ways we're trying to fix, repair, heal, bring ourselves into a better and more enlightened state. That's what mm-hmm. I mean by light work. And what yeah. I mean by dar- dark work is uh, everything is perfect exactly how it is, including this. That's here. Okay, can you say that last piece again and cut out for a minute? Oh, everything is perfect exactly the way it is, hmm. including this part of myself, including that, including everything. And like, like, how do I let, how do I like, how do I let myself fully experience that as the truth, as a reality? Right. So that's dark work. Mm-hmm. And they're similar. They're related. They lead to the same place. They go, they go out, they come back to the same place, which is like, you are perfect as you are connectable lovable 
knowing that makes you connectable, lovable. You know what I mean? Like it, these, those kinds of things circle around each other. So that's what I'm, that's the distinction I'm calling out with dark work. And just, uh, it was a little bit tangential, but the, the point that I was getting to is like, when you get full, like when you go into the dark to feel experience a spot, if you bring in this light agenda that you're going to go in so that you'll stop doing this behavior, you'll stop wanting those things. You'll stop being that way. You'll stop sabotaging yourself. It doesn't work because you bring in a agenda of disapproval for the experience. This one is so enjoying. And when you mm. do that, you prevent yourself from fully embodying and therefore fully fulfilling that experience. You kind of have to go into the dark with like, I don't know. I might like this more when I'm done. I might want to be raped more often when I'm mm. done. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. Well, it sounds dangerous, and that's why we teach a consensual container because it's not dangerous. When you because because you, you can be like, I really want to be raped consensually more often because it's so fulfilling, it's so delicious. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, you know, so it's like, and and it can be, and and but it is true that when you when you get fully fulfilled, at some point you're done with it. You don't need it anymore. It's not, it's not, it's it like that your, your animal self's like, great, I can have that. It's, deli it's awesome. But if your point is to make it stop, to get rid of it, to fix mm -hmm. it, you're not going to be able to fully embody it. So you're not going to get the fulfillment in order to, for that, to even undo itself. Right. Does that make sense? So you yeah. have to go with full approval at the chance that you might actually want this more. Like a letting go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love hearing. I love hearing your um, your voice express those parts of yourself. I think you're so good at that. And in person, you you really embody it. You know, your whole body. And that's where the theater piece kind of comes in a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, I you know I I I, I thought I was really uh, wanted to do. I wanted to be an actor when I was younger, and I loved it. But when I started really doing stage work and film work, I was like, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Hmm. Um. I, and I, I didn't, it took me years to realize like the thing that I was really loving, you know, it wasn't taking on a character and a script and playing out somebody else's thing. What I really loved about, it, you know, performance was allowing different parts of myself to emerge that I wasn't giving permission for. Mm. It was kind of like I could use the stage as a scene to consensually convey myself. And so I started doing when I realized you know, in, these realizations came in different fragments and, and, and I'm able to talk about this to the degree I am because of the work that I do now. But, you know, I, I realized now when I went up on stage, it was like such, it was like, great. Like when you go to do, when I was part of some, a couple different improv groups, when you go up on stage, it's like anything can happen here. And so like, it would be so delicious and fulfilling for like, parts of me to come out. But the, the trick with improv is that actually it's not true. Anything can happen here. There's a lot of, there's a lot happening about that you're thinking about in terms of the story and the audience and everything. And so it's in itself is it's an awesome art form, but it wasn't actually the thing I was most wanting, which is like what I was most wanting is like full expression of all the, all these parts of myself that I denied. And so what I do now, although it's related to improv um, because that, because that same experience could happen with improv, but it's really about like, how do I let all of these things out every single bit, every single one of them out mm. and get fully fulfilled because, 
when I do that, my, my, like a, a number of things happen that are really cool. Like my, my range of experience happens, my judgments, my preferences expand exponentially, mm-hmm. like so fast. I, and some of these things, it's taken me years of meditation to get to. Hmm. of these expansions and i'm not just saying this to diss meditation because i think it's a really important practice and i think it can be really helpful to keep integrating and moving through just and there's all sorts of different kinds of meditation but like when you just go there it's like you save you just jump ahead in the timeline like you just go right into like more love more connection more possibility because now i look out at the world and i don't see I don't see crazy people or bad people or psychopaths. Mm. I don't see um, um, people who are broken or need help or, you know, I don't, I just don't, that doesn't, I mean, there's still parts of me that come up and I see it that way, but more and more and less and less, I'm, I'm able to just see, look out at the world and see a bunch of creatures all wanting connection. And how are we going to, and then how are they doing it? Even the ones who are doing stuff that looks like, why would you ever do that for connection? You know, but when we expand ourselves into that part, to the killer, to the, to the, you know, to the cultist, you know, like everybody, <laughs> everybody thinks they're not part of a cult, but we're all part of cults. You know, we're part of, we're part of all, we, we all follow, even if you're a part of the U S cult, the United States of America, like the part of us that like, gives our power away to a bigger system or whatever in order to right. live and, you know, whatever, for whatever benefits. But like when you see it, instead of as something inevitable, it has actually something that you've chosen. Then you look out at the world and see everybody's choosing that and you can understand why they're choosing it. And then you can meet them in play, right? right? Then you can meet everyone in play instead of being afraid, misunderstanding. It's, it's, it exponentially expands understanding, empathy, and love for everyone in the world. And that to me is like the point of all consciousness work really because, but like, you know, what's cool about dark work is like, it's like you get to skip, skip through so much. Cause it's like that moment. I've brought so many people to that moment of realizing, Oh my God, not only is this part of my, me lovable and acceptable, it's actually one of the best parts of me oh, because wow. it's bringing a message of love that I couldn't have heard otherwise. A different, like love coming from a different place or a different kind of love, different understanding. Mm-hmm. No, I love what you're saying. I think it's really beautiful. I think it's really powerful. Um, one thing it made me think about is like, you know, we're going through life. We want to improve ourselves. We want to better ourselves. We learn about nutrition and then we think, I'm going to follow this diet. This is the best diet. And we learn about meditation and we're like, I'm going to, you know, sit 30 minutes every day and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to, be this loving person i'm going to make the world a better place and then uh, the reality is we do all those things very imperfectly <laughs> and <laughs> and i think what you're pointing to is like different parts of ourselves want different things and if we can have approval and get in touch with that that can rather than being in this resistance rather than trying to force myself to meditate for three hours when i really just want to watch game of thrones like let, you know <laughs> maybe it's better to just watch the fucking show mm-hmm and with approval and appreciate it and enjoy it. And then. Yeah. And and that's the key is, you know, I think it's different than just going to a behavior that's compensatory or avoidant. It's about fulfillment. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, you said that so beautifully, it's like watching game of Thrones and really enjoying it because when you really enjoy it, then it's like wisdom comes. It's like, it's like, how can our minds know where 
the wisdom is that we need. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we can yeah. try to judge beforehand, but like, and I think there is, you know, we can make smart decisions and wiser decisions than others. But at the same time, when something is calling and coming up in us and then impacting and sabotaging our life, it's to me, that's a call for something that needs attention on it. Not, not to be fixed, but to be expressed and to be fulfilled. And when you right. do that, then you're watching Game of Thrones, you might have a bigger awakening in consciousness than you would have ever had in meditation. <laughs> yeah. You allowed that part of you to get fed and experience the, the thing it wanted to experience. <laughs> I had a um, meditation Buddhist philosophy teacher who he used to be a monk, he was Tibetan, and he, he loved Coca-Cola. And I remember him telling us one time, he's like, if you see someone drinking a Coke, don't judge them. Maybe that's their moment of enlightenment. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> but in, yeah. in Boulder, drinking a Coca-Cola is, is pretty taboo. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's like, or, or if you see someone who's in prison, hmm. you know, or you see, you know, someone who's a, a terrorist, you know, like, like, or it has the label terrorist on them, you know, or you see any of these things like this might be their enlightenment. And it's not to say like, it's not to condone behaviors of harm to our living bodies, right? Like we can, we can work to stop that, but, but making it wrong in the sense that like, like there's, that is a bad way of being, you know, there are, you know, just like the, the killer has a lot of information about enlightenment and awakening huh. that we aren't going to get access to unless we let it come through us. No, it's interesting. I mean, the way I'm understanding this is like, yes, killing people is wrong. Yes. Terrorism is wrong. And if we could get, if the terrorist, if the killer could be in touch with these parts of themselves in a, in this way, then they wouldn't need to act it out in the world in that way. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I think that's definitely part of it for sure. I think that, you know, what my aim is, is is more consensuality right mm. instead of repressing or pushing things away or cutting things out how do i become more consensual with myself and others because that's where the fulfillment and connection happens right, right? and consensuality literally means like with feel i'm like feeling others i'm with the feeling right and and like one of the challenges that happens is that we have these like factions in the world. We have, we have the cultures and the religions and the groups and the social groups and all these different places where I'm feeling everyone. And if we're all like on board with going to kill another group of people, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm still in consensuality with those parts of me, with these parts of me that are over here. But what about the parts over there, you know? And, you know, it's an, or like when I watch the news and I think, Oh, those like, oh God, what a horrible person. I can't believe they just blew someone up or something like that. It's like, I don't, you know, we don't know what led them to that experience. I know that I want to live in a world where if the only reason anybody would walk in and blow somebody of a group of people up is because that group of people wanted to get blown up. Oh, sorry. I just cut out for a minute, but we're back. Okay. Yeah. Wait, say, say that last piece again, because I cut out. I missed it. I would live in a world where the only reason a person would you know, blow up a group of people is because that group of people wanted to get blown up. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to want to get blown up. Well, I don't know. I mean, people, you know, in, in cults, like they make the decision to mass suicide, you know, like we're all going to die. You know, I'm down with anybody choosing how they want to die. 
right? Or, and like, you know, the experience of it, you know, like there's a certain levels of enlightenment, right? I don't think death is like nearly, it's not, it's not a sin against anything to die or to kill. What I think is like, what I, what I, what I want to challenge is the fact that we would do it with anything but consent. Okay. No, I, yeah. I mean, I'm following that. I think that's an interesting way to talk about it. It's um, like, it's like more like tribal wars. You know, you can feel this more if you, if you're into, I grew up on the Navajo reservation. So mm-hmm. I have some, some experience with, you know, the, the idea of warriors, you know, like there's a lot of consensuality. There's a lot of consensuality that happens in war too, where it's like, well, we don't kill these kinds of people. We only kill the fighters, you know, right. that kind of stuff. Right. It's like, it's like, even though, you know, we, we, we have to pretend like nobody wants to be there or be doing that because they would be bad people if they actually wanted to kill people. But some people, a lot of people are there because they want to be there and they want to kill some fucking people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> or getting you know, pretty dark here. On the line. Like that's, they're just in some serious, they're, they're in some like really intense play, you know? So, and this isn't to make any assumptions about any groups of people. It's just giving examples of some of the dark creatures that emerge when we allow ourselves to not make things wrong. And yeah. like, oh, people actually want to kill each other. And they want to be in a situation that's so heightened that they could die. Right. Well, I imagine you would feel extraordinarily alive, you know, in that moment. Um, yeah. Or extreme I mean, sports. Like people put their lives on the line every day for extreme sports. That's true. The people are risking their lives every day for extreme sports. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that experience of, yeah. Well, the experience of having your life on the line can, can lead right into a flow state where you transcend yourself because that's where you perform the highest. That's where you can rock climb, free climb, you know, or snowboard and do those crazy jumps they do. Totally. Um, cause your thinking mind, if you start thinking about what you're doing, you're probably going to fall and die. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but in terms of war, I mean, I have read, um, you know, anthropological accounts. They just brought this back to me of like tribal indigenous people and the way that they would conduct warfare. And it did have, it did seem like it would have that quality of play in the sense of like, they would do it like, you know, a couple times a year and they would show up and they would fight and some people would die and some people wouldn't, but it would, the warriors would show up and show their bravery and they weren't trying to like necessarily destroy or kill everyone else on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think when the, I don't know, when, when the Europeans came over here, they had different ways of warfare, obviously that were more kind of total. Right. Right. Like, you know, the, 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 and that's, that's the other part that is really interesting to me is like, you know, as we feel our hearts and feel ourselves more, how do we come into more consent with each other? coming to more consent with plants and animals and the, the, the planet that we're on, right? Like the way the world that we live in right now is, is basically, you know, raping and pillaging and encaging massive amounts of creatures. That's, that's so true. That's such a good point. I mean, you could be listening to this and thinking how civilized we are and how I don't want to go to war. And then, I mean, think about the mil- there's millions, there's billions of chickens being slaughtered you know, I forget the numbers now, but it's, it's, it's mind blowing. The yeah. animals, the death, and the exploitation. Even, even if you're vegetarian, if you participate in the society, you are part of that. You are connected to, or even if in, in, and well, you know, for me, like, you know, I, there's different states. You know, we, we humans find it important to create a hierarchy. There's humans at the mm. top 
animals second and then plants at the bottom right. and then maybe like mineral and earth at the bottom bottom we create that hierarchy and it's a great hierarchy but then it allows us to do you know it's like well if you're not human you know we can we can genocide you we can cage you we can change you we can alter you i mean we can basically do anything to animals and it's totally okay if it's in the name of the food cycle or in the name of science or in the name of a number of other factors you know and yeah plants no, it's a good point we 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 just do whatever we want to them. We don't care about the, there's no sense of like you as an individual might care, but we participate in a system that does not at all care about consensual right. living with that's them. that's well said with with the animals. So it's like when you look at a terrorist and you think, Oh, that's a bad person, it's like compared to what? Like compared to what in what we like, how do we face this darkness that we live in? I mean, I, I hear you and also don't fully go down that route because i see terrorists and i do think like they're a bad person like the mass shooting i'm like that was a bad person they did something bad i don't want anyone else to do that that was fucked up but i yeah. hear what you're saying well, about well, i mean i don't want to why do you, why do they have to be a bad person why can't we just not want that to happen okay okay that's a good distinction <laughs> you know like yeah like, I, I don't mean, want people yeah. I, if they don't want to get shot i don't want them to get shot i want and i'll do anything i can <laughs> if i can to stop it you know what i mean but right. if I'm pretty sure a pig does not want to live its life in a three foot by three foot cage with right. a of other pigs and like barely, I'm pretty sure that's true, but because of the hierarchy, it doesn't matter as much to me. You know, it's kind of, it's bad, but you know, if I look at it that way, but that's the challenge with, it's the scary thing about escaping our identity. Our identity is based on these hierarchies that may or may not be true. It may or may not actually be, aligned with our most like essential heart and care hmm. you know it isn't i know for me and i know and i'm working on this this is something that i'm i'm, I'm challenging but it's like when we break out open it's like okay like how do I, how do we create a world you know for me my work is how do i feel it more and how do i help others to feel it more so that we can all enter a more consensual world where it's like hmm. okay like we have to okay we have to kill to eat totally but do we but how do we do it in a way that, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different ancient practices of living in consent with animals and plants when you ask permission before you kill. And that might not be mm. totally real, but I, I believe like, I think I, I like it might, that might, I don't mean totally real. I mean, people might not have a hard time believing in that or accepting that's, that that's possible. The ritual that could happen. Yeah. Yeah, but but it, but people have who have these experiences, and not my experiences with it, show that actually it's it's a powerful thing. And it, instead of it creating disconnection with ourselves and the planet, yeah, it's it more connection, which is the point I think for me. It's like what creates more con connection, yeah, more consent. That's what I want for the that's world. A, that's a good frame for it. Yeah, I love what you're saying about creating a more consensual world. It's something that I love thinking about. That I feel passionate about creating a better world and. For me, um, it's like one component of that is like if we're creating a world with more play where people are are just enjoying themselves more, appreciating life more, like there would could be less emphasis on consumption and all these negative things that we've been touching on, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. You know, it's it's funny. I, I've I've really started to stop myself as a healer. You know, because I play in the dark, there's nothing to heal. Everything is perfect exactly the way it is. Um, mm -hmm. And more as an entertainer. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
and not an entertainer, like I'm entertaining, but like I'm teaching tools so that people can find a deeper sense of entertainment. And then we don't need to go to these like disconnected. There's so much more fulfillment just being together. Sorry, I think you cut out again. Just being together in our dark places, you know, Mm. is so, can be so much more fulfilling than any kind of movie or any kind of thing we could consume. I I sometimes call us VR machines. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When we come together and we create, like me and you come together and create a consensual reality and we're like with each other in it it gets really trippy. Like just being with each other can be incredibly psychedelic if we're willing to go out into, into the unknown regions together and stay connected. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that's that beautiful. And I, I felt I've experienced that to some degree um, with BDSM and, and just with sex. And I, I wonder if like, I don't know, like you can experience altered states of consciousness through, I think the connection is a, is an important piece. Um, yeah and then there's i don't know life life has ups and downs so i I find in myself like uh even if no substances are involved if i have a kind of peak or like big experience afterwards there will be like a down um you're cutting out regenerative yeah hold on you you, can you say that last part again Uh, it cut out i'm just thinking about my life and like when you have like a big experience or peak experience then there's like a kind of down that will happen afterwards or like even could even like have a kind of feeling of like a hangover afterwards, even if you haven't anything to drink. Mm-hmm. Like I remember in the like in the workshop we did like that I got to do with you. Like I felt that a little bit. Like you, or I did. I mean, it, you like you have this big experience and you open up a lot, and then afterwards it's like, uh, like a retraction or like a like a kind of feeling down after a high. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, but the whole thing, yeah, that, whole, that whole cycle could happen without any substances ever entering into it, which is kind of amazing. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, substances are really all they, they actually are like, if I take a psychedelic or a drug, it's not actually the drug that's doing anything. It's the receptors that's opening up in my body to send different chemicals through that my yeah. body produces most of the time. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Like, like MDMA ecstasy just activates my serotonin levels so that I'm more of a chemical I already produce is dumping through my system. Right. Right. It can't, it's not really showing you anything that's not potentially there without it, I believe. Right. M- most, most substances, that's how they work. It's like, cause it's like your body doesn't really act. It only, it, it gets activated by substances to release different things, but it's, you know, it's those things that it's releasing that take us to these altered states. Right. Consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I oftentimes call things psychedelic because it's like, you know, I, I mean that from where that comes from it means clear soul psychedelic in Greek. That was oh, like, beautiful. Clear soul. Uh, yeah. Yeah. soul clarity or whatever, like different ways to put that, but like a psychedelic experience is like where you leave the world of labels and enter into like, you know, a a place of like, Oh, what's underneath all these labels. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. 
Yeah. yeah just and when bring- we can go there together, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's amazing. And on the moon together, you know, like be on Mars <laughs> together. It's like, yeah. Kids do it all the time, you know? And I think, I feel like that's one of the things that psychedelics do is like, that may- helps us become kids again. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The play that you're talking about, that's so natural for children. They're playing all the time, imagining things all the time. Um, I don't know, like bringing it back to BDSM as a way to access some of the stuff. Like I have experienced being flogged, right. And feeling totally altered afterwards. Like just uh, as if I had taken a substance when I had it um, and not expecting that at all. And then, I've had the experience of flogging someone, you know, like whipping them consensually in the the container like we talked about Mm -hmm. and having them ask for more and like how difficult that was for me because it felt wrong to hit somebody so hard. (laughs) I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up. Like, (laughs) yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's a gorgeous spot. And it's, it's part of the reason why, you know, we don't, we don't in the light dark work, we're not necessarily, it's not all about BDSM, but like we use the container and we have, we, we also, I, we use flogging cause it's such a safe way to explore these parts of ourselves that want to hurt or be hurt. Right. Know? Right. And so I want to, I want to go more into this part of ourselves that wants to be hurt. And I, I know a lot of people will have a problem with that. Like thinking about that. I mean, there are situations where someone victimizes somebody else and someone else is the victim and if you ask somebody who's suffering or do you want to suffer they're probably going to say no i don't want to suffer right well, well well this is where it's like was it consensual right but what about the part of ourselves that w- wants to suffer like you were talking about that like that wants to be yeah. humiliated that wants to feel pain that but that wants to suffer i wonder just thinking about that in my own life um if being in touch with a part of myself that is choosing a difficult experience or an experience that other parts of myself feel like is really terrible and suffering. I'm not Uh sure where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to like, is that true? Is that true that like an example I'm thinking about is like a really painful, difficult breakup and I can look back on it and like logically, yeah, I stayed in it longer than I needed to. I, um, there were, there's like just with the logical rational mind, I could have just like clearly ended it and left, but instead it was like this long drawn out painful thing. And I'm wondering like, is there some part of me that wanted that? Mm-hmm. But I would say not consciously. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's, that's the trick, right? Like, you know, who knows? I, like this is, this is a spot to explore, but there were probably parts of you that wanted to stay in because you were still loved and still wanted that connection. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, yeah. And then, but then the parts of you, then there were also probably parts of you that are harder to acknowledge that like the drama, the revenge, the, the mm. back and forth, the spite, the, 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 the adrenaline spikes of a fight or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Like those, those moments, but like when, you know, our main goal is connection. So that's, and so the only thing we, we know how to do with connection is the rules that we've learned. Right. Mm. So like, for some people fights mean disconnection, right? Like if you have a fight, it means that you're, you're disconnected from your partner. That's not true for everybody, but that's true Mm -hmm. for some people. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a fight with your partner, 
because your main goal is connection, it feels like something's wrong. Like mm. that was not good. I don't want that to happen. Well, while you're saying, I don't want the fight to happen, you're missing the whole point of the, you're missing all the creatures inside that wanted, that wanted to fight. Right. Right. That wanted to, that, that got off on that moment when you told her what you really thought. There you, you go. Know, the voice again. Yeah. When she finally <laughs> told you what she really thought. Oh, yeah. I knew it. I knew you thought that about me. And like, tick, 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 it's really painful. But in that moment, for that creature who's just been waiting to be humiliated or told that he's worthless or tell her that she's a piece of, sh- you know, whatever, or like really yeah. give her a piece of my mind, it was so good. It was so delicious. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. And I wonder if, I mean, this isn't an original thought to me at all, but like abusive relationships, the dynamic is such that part of you feels loved through that abuse. Like, you know that they care about you because, because of that in some weird way. And yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's all energy moving back and forth with each other, <laughs> you know, and we want connection with that person and that connection comes in the form of abuse you know, and we, and we stay, if we stay connected after the abuse happens, you know, and this can be because of past trauma and we, we confused abuse with connection or because we're just like, no, I don't care what you do to me. I'm here. Then the best choice, if you've decided to be with someone who's abusive to you, then the best choice for a lot of the creatures inside of you is to start learning how to like being abused. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're not going to be like, and this is where, this is like one of the central things that we work with in our work is like really learning our yes and no, and really understanding the difference because we have creatures and it's like one creature in me says, no, I never want to be raped. Right. Or let me use a lesser example. No, I never want to be hurt. right? Right. But then another creature comes up and says, yes, I like to be hurt. Like if you've ever done, exercise and the burn of that pain of the running can come up and you like, Oh yeah, I like that. Or like if you've done paintball and when the right. thing hits, you, it's like, ow, but it's like, Oh yes. You know, like <laughs> you can find it in these moments, you know, and like in the world of labels, pain is bad, right? Pain is bad. Pleasure is mostly okay. Pretty good. Probably good mostly as long as it's the right kind of pleasure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but underneath that pain and pleasure are just sensation underneath the world of labels where we've decided things are this way or that it's just sensation and how we, how we take in that sensation is really dependent on what state of consciousness we're in as it arrives. Mm. And if we have, if we have approval, disapproval, resistance or acceptance, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's really something important you're saying about, it's just sensation and how we interpret it. And BDSM is like one of the most clear examples of this, right? Like we're something that is literally torture, but the person is choosing it. And so it's a positive experience for them. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's really the power of our minds, right? It's our minds that are, <laughs> our minds are, our minds are, you know, that's one of the coolest things about any kind of psychedelic experience. And for, for me, for like exploring the dark, because it's like double down, not only do I get to have like, an expanded experience beyond what I thought was possible. Like, you know, I used to think all pain was bad. 
Right. And I've had experiences now where it's like, oh, that's not actually true. Like pain is bad when I say it's bad in my mind. Hmm. So even so that translates like a lot of I know a lot of kinky people who like they can go get flogged and get beaten the shit out of and <laughs> they love it. But then they stub their toe the next morning and they're in crisis. <laughs> right? Like, and it, <laughs> and like, that's why, that's why we don't just stick with the BDSM container because it's, it, it's even in itself, the idea is an identity. Oftentimes kink and BDSM is an identity. Uh, We're expanding this out into like life, like stub your toe right. immediately. Don't miss this chance yeah, for that creature really in you who loves thing. pain to come up and meet it. Why would you sit there and be sad unless you really wanted to? Which we, you know, in some level, I think we're always choosing. Like if I stub my toe and I go, God damn it, everything's horrible. Well, there's a creature right there, right? Uh. Who's like, why? Why was that there? Or, oh God, I stubbed my toe. You know, if, if I can, maybe that's the creature that wants to be here to enjoy that, you know, but it's really about my yes and no. It is my, and, and this is, I'm getting into some abstract concepts here, but it's like, mm identity and we all know this because we have different responses to the same thing happening right so our identity is fluid and then once we know it's fluid and we realize we can choose things we can start consciously choosing the creature who most wants to be experienced that stubbed stubbed toe right now and it could be the one who wants to cry because of Mm. because there's this that wants to move or it could be the one who wants to yell and scream because there's anger wants to come out or it could be the one who's like oh god i love it oh i love that sharp movement up my leg wow it just makes me feel alive Hmm. you know all of those and and none of them are wrong but if we didn't choose it consciously then we think we're suffering right yeah well i mean and one other thing i want to say is if sometimes like I think I've stayed in connection longer than maybe was needed um, because I do value connection. And sometimes it's better to, to, to leave, to have a boundary to say, okay, I'm not going to talk to you for the next month or whatever it is, or let something go. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that can be done in service of greater connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, I, I'm tempted to share something that might be too far out there uh, <laughs> to, to convey. Uh, but you're, you're talking about, I just did like, a, you know, we call them actually ceremonies, but in BDSM they're called scenes. Yeah. And I just did a ceremony with, with my partner, Tani, who's the co-founder of like dark Institute. And she, like in the ceremony, we, we created a power dynamic where she was the dom and she really went in on this spot where I feel like I don't get touched enough, you know? Mm. And I, you know, she, she wanted me to like really out my begging, my desire for it. And I started to, and you know, something in her really got the part of me that that the thing I'm most resisting, it's not even so much, you know what, what she got when she went in on it and realized until after the scene was like she just found the spot where it was like her kind of sadistic dom who wanted to like see and like touch the spot of me that she's always feeling underneath the surface came through and was like you know like identified that it was loneliness it was misery and loneliness that i'm avoiding and trying to get out of and what mm-hmm. i found 
as, I, as she like explored it with me. And she's exploring it by kind of subtly torturing, touching, being with me. There's this like totally different creature on her face. I've never quite seen it before, even though I've done, we've worked together for years and I've seen her in all kinds of different states. There's this new state coming out. who's just so curious about this just lover I have called loneliness. Mm. And, and as she brought all this approval for the loneliness and even became an embodied version of my loneliness, um, she was actually using the ice on my skin to like highlight how it felt as coldness as I had described it. So she started mm. using ice and I got to have this like somatic alignment with cold and loneliness. Oh, wow. And I realized like I've spent my whole, my whole journey from the beginning when I started doing personal growth work was just to stop feeling lonely. I was so done with it. I'd yeah. broken up in a 14 year relationship, a 12 year marriage. And I was like, I didn't know how to do relationships or women or community. I didn't know what, how to connect. And, um, and I just, even though I had this awakening and I felt this like new awakening beyond the labels of life and this fulfillment of ecstasy, I really wanted to connect to this human life. And I, what, when I, when that desire led me to this feeling of loneliness and in that scene, as she went on in on that with me and I received it, this kind of humiliation, this exploration in that spot about loneliness, I realized like, Oh my God, like this is the thing that's always with me. And although I'm always trying to run away from it, it's the thing I always choose instead of rejection. I choose loneliness. Like, Mm. I, I would choose it over. I, I'd rather be miserable. I'd rather be mistreated. I'd rather stuff myself. I'd rather hide. I'd rather um, um, deny parts of myself than feel loneliness. Wow. And yet, that is the feeling that subsumes me as soon as I feel like somebody's rejected me. Right. And so, like, I found the part of me that was choosing it. And when I found that part of me, uh, my life, this, this scene just happened, the ceremony that we just did. And my life has been completely different since then. Like mm. all these subtle little reactivity points inside of me that I was doing, especially in my relationship with Tani, but also with others has just completely alleviated. I have a lot of challenges sometimes with getting back to people right away, you know, in communication. Mm. Yeah. And that's been like, even though like, on a, maybe like on an actual reality level, I'm still have some challenges getting back to all the different communications that I'm having in this world at this moment in my life. Cause there's so much going on. It's wonderful, but it's like, I, there's, there's ways I would feel like I wasn't enough and I would disconnect from people or I would, there was just all these ways, these programs that I was running that have just like stopped running. Mm. And I just like, Oh, no. loneliness is part of what I love. I love loneliness, and I no longer need to run away from it. That's, yeah. that's beautiful and really powerful. And thank you for sharing. I think um, I can relate to that to some degree. And I, I imagine like a lot of people do. And, you know, when we're on here talking about connection and consent and all these, all these things, it's easy to, it's easy to imagine that that would mean not being lonely, right? Like community and relationship. And I wonder mm-hmm. if a lot of people in the world of, of therapy and, and whatnot have some version of that kind of driving them, right? Because I don't like feeling lonely. No one likes feeling lonely, generally speaking. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the cool thing, the, the amazing part for me is, as I feel it, it's like, you know, and then in that scene, it became, you know, one of the things I found myself like in my core of being essence as I'm here as a servant to creation. Like when I'm in alignment with that, that's when I feel in flow with life is like, I am here to serve this creativity, this creation. Um, and I felt how loneliness is really just almost like the, the being, it's like being on the outside of that temple, right? you know, that temple where I go in to serve, where I go in to bow my head. It's like right now I'm standing on the outside and I'm looking at it. It's like the exact same experience when I used to be part of a religion of standing outside and wanting in. Mm, yeah. It's such a beautiful, exquisite experience that I couldn't believe I was depriving myself of. <laughs> so you're, was, you're you're talking about getting in touch with this this deep loneliness that you've been avoiding and and just being with it, like just yeah. And she made it like it was one of my lovers, which ironically we were talking about earlier in this uh. conversation. It was shoot, loneliness and misery were my lovers, but it was loneliness. I was like, no, I, I could see misery for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but misery is like the one I choose, like loneliness is like the one I'm like, no, no, no. But in my heart of hearts, it's the one I always choose. Always oh, choose. That's so when interesting. My, every other lover has left me. There's loneliness. <laughs> uh, loneliness will always be there. <laughs> always. My most, my most devoted partner. <laughs> It's funny. It's interesting for me to think about, um, and I've shared this with some other people that I've had the experience of going and doing a solitary meditation retreat, right? Where I am literally alone in a dinky little cabin without electricity and the mountains away from everything. And, and how that experience, um, like honestly, like did not feel lonely or alone in that experience. Maybe it maybe come up, came up a little bit, um, but it wasn't like like the times where I've really felt lonely in a really painful sense have been like what you were talking about, like where you're outside of the party looking in, or you see people connecting and you want that, or where where I like I'm I don't know where I'm imagining all the things I could be doing and I'm not, but somehow in that experience of like actually being like totally alone, like there wasn't. There, I felt I felt more connection. I felt connected with like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into how to explain it. It's not logical, but it's like just feeling connected with the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Like loneliness requires uh, some kind of option or choice of like, I could be alone or I could be with people. But if that option or choice isn't there, then you don't really feel lonely. I th- at least that was my experience. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I love that. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. It, it helps, you know, it's, it's, I think part of being, going, playing in the dark for me is, is, is it's such a recontextualization hmm. of things. You know, it's like, this is good. This is bad, except in this situation, then that's good. And that's bad. It's like, it's like, you know, fighting is bad unless it's boxing and then it's good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Better like to watch it or UFC or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like everything in its right context is okay, <laughs> according to yeah. the light, according to right. our conscious minds that have created all these rules. But in the dark, we re- we find these recontextualizations that aid us in um, 
greater sense of self-acceptance and a greater sense of power and ease in the world because we're no longer beholden to the rules of that context, that contrast that we created, that polarity that we imagined or it was given to us and we believed. Right. Yeah. I think, I think this loneliness piece, it's like, I just keep going back to that. I think we're, our world today is so connected and yet so many of us feel disconnected in, in a lot of ways, right? Like we don't have the village, the tribe, the the friendships that are there day in, day out in the same way that people in the past just kind of naturally had, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like, you know, I think one thing I see is that people also are like able to have the kinds of connections and, uh, you know, it's almost like there's a greater sense of choice, which also creates a greater sense of preference and cut offness from other groups. Right. You know, like we're, right. we're like able to choose our group of, because we're, we have access to a much through the internet and travel. We have a much larger palette of people we can spend our time with. We're not just, I mean, I, you know, how many, we don't really know our neighbors very well. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. Oftentimes like the people right there living with us, so it's like, well, I didn't choose you. So, you know, whereas in the past it was kind of like, this is who's here. And, and one of the awesome things about that, about being in a community that you didn't choose or a family that you didn't choose is that they, you know, expose and press you and push you into different perspectives that you wouldn't necessarily have come to yourself because, you know, you're, you're being widened by other universes around you as opposed to universes that you chose to, that you resonate with. Right. So I think they're like, it's like awesome. Like I really like to choose my friends and hang out with the people that really bring me alive. And, you know, I notice when I do that, like, you know, we, we, I become, you enter a bubble of reality. Right. Absolutely. reality isn't necessarily matching with the rest of the world and like <laughs> we can lose <laughs> touch with some of the bigger streams that are going on yeah we become so fragmentized and compartmentalized i mean that's what we're seeing in our culture now yeah um, we can yeah that's why i think it's really important to look at your enemies hmm. and see them as you wow yeah that's really powerful practice yeah. yeah. And, and like you can do it intellectually, but like when you can actually, it's like, it's like, you know, for me, I had a lot of, I think, you know, I, you know, I, I had a lot of feelings about Donald Trump and <laughs> um, various strains of white supremacy and that sort of thing coming up. Mm. Like I had a lot of feelings come up and I also, but at the same time I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, this guy is like a great shadow player. Like he really just, is 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 outing the things like there was i remember there was an article uh published about his you know evicting people from some new york apartment um that somebody wrote and it was damning of him but he had it framed in his office oh wow you know he's like basically it's like the, the, the writer who wrote it got to see that and was like oh my god like because for him publicity you know like he just owns it (laughs) <laughs> and there is a power and beauty to that that I know that there's a lot of things that people, there's a lot of things that people have feelings about either pro or against or whatever about him, you know? And for me, I have a lot of like, this guy's a narcissist child who should not be ruling a country, right? Like that's a judgment. <laughs> I have. 
(laughs) You're not, you're not alone in that judgment. Yeah. I'm not alone. Like there's a shared consensus around that for a lot of people, but like, but that doesn't actually help me escape my little, my bubble. You know, I can start a tribe and we can all agree like this guy's evil, narcissistic and shouldn't be present in the United States, but he is. But you he know, been, he's and, somehow he's somehow feeding off the negativity and and increases his power. Like the fact that he frames the negative story, it's it's amazing. He is a master, and no one is quite sure what he's a master of. But I think you're getting to it to some degree. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, what? So so my question comes: Where is Donald Trump in me? Why am I giving him all the power? Right, and I find him in me and here. You know, because there, there's and, something in millions of people that resonate with him either against him or for him, you know, and he plays that well enough to get elected. But yeah, there's something in us that that's touching that we don't like. It's uncomfortable or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe some people like it, I guess. I don't know. I, I haven't really, I've talked, I've talked to people who voted for Trump. I haven't really met anyone who says they really like the guy, you know, as a person, but it doesn't seem uh-huh. to matter. I don't know if that matters to him at all. <laughs> Well, no, they're, they're, I've definitely talked to people who really like him. Okay. Yeah. Really I'm like sure they're him. out there. Yeah. I mean, really good examples like Howard Stern really likes him. Yeah. You know, which is like, you wouldn't see that coming necessarily because they seem more, like kind of on the opposite of the political divide. But on in terms of, I feel like both of them are real. Like both of them are willing to be out with their darkness. Right. Well, here, here's another way to, here's another thing I see with Trump. He comes across as much more real than Hillary, but logically, rationally, he lies. You know, he literally lies more than any other candidate or any other president. You can look at the like the facts, but that doesn't that doesn't matter. Like in some way he's more true. And I think the stuff that we're talking about this this podcast with you is kind of helping explain that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he lies about the facts, but he doesn't hide his envy. There you go. He yeah, doesn't he doesn't hide, hide his emotions. He doesn't hide his emotions. He's out with them. That's very, you know, it's like, it's like, and, you know, I definitely, I, I think there are qualities to him that are really incredible and actually point to things that a lot of people who are against him really want in the world. But we have to look deep to see it. Hmm. We have to look deep inside of ourselves to see it. You know, like, when, and also it's like, if we're not making things wrong and we start seeing the world in polarities, like we can see the good and bad, the up and down, the upside down and right side up. And we don't, if we, cause it, we always hit the spot where it's like, I got to make it wrong or I'm, or I'm condoning it. Huh. You know, like if I don't make it wrong, at least on some level, then I'm saying it's okay. And And I don't think that's true. I don't think you need to make things wrong to condone them. I think you can just see it is what it is. You are not, above, you are not God. You're not above all of this. You're part of it. We're not above nature. We're not above the other humans. We are, I am an individual. I see what I see. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I don't label it, if I let myself, my being open, then a greater sense of wisdom can come through and a greater sense of power and a greater sense of like what I can actually do in response. If I actually really did care about him not being president. So, you know, if you actually do care is if you're actually doing something about it instead right. of whining to yourself or others if you're just whining to yourself and others you don't you don't you don't really care you know it just right. makes you feel good to do it he's like a punching bag 
It becomes that's a, you. a cheap, yeah. Well, it becomes a cheap you took, you took a, you took a narcissistic child who's probably heavily traumatized, had a really weird life, <laughs> and you're using it as your punching bag. Who are you? <laughs> you're the one in that moment beating somebody else up. That's your own projection. Yeah. yeah. Who are you? And are you, you think you're doing good. You right. think you're doing good. Well, so did the Nazis. Right. Everybody thinks they're doing good. That is, I think, a truth of reality. And even when right. they think they're doing bad, they're doing it because they're all, even when we do something evil, like I'm doing this because I'm bad, it's because you're making yourself bad in order to not feel the incredible amount of pain that came from being separated from ex parent or ex love or whatever happened to you. You know, we, 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 these justifications, they all come from the desire for connection, which I think is a fundamentally, not even good, but just like, it's just a reality. We really want connection. People will do it. Yeah. Whatever yeah. You're touching on some important points. It's amazing to think about. I mean, the, the idea that we all, yeah, we all want to do good. We all want to be good. And then terrible things can happen from people who had very pure, good intentions. And I can give a quick example would be, mm-hmm. say, uh, I don't know, say a man is accused of uh, robbing a store and then this other guy hears that and he is filled with this righteous anger and he runs down the street and tackles the guy and beats the shit out of him and gets the thing out of his hand. And then he finds out, oh, um, he didn't actually rob the store, you know, like the store, the store, maybe the store owner lied or maybe that was the wrong guy. But like that kind of thing happens all the time. Some version of that happens all the time. It's like, here's an excuse for me to go be the white knight and kill this person or, or beat them up or tell the world how right. bad they are, you know, get on social media and talk shit about them. Right. And the cool thing is like on some level, oftentimes it's like, yeah, in our minds, we're the white knight, but in our, in our, in our, in our deeper pleasure zones, we're the bad one. We get to, now we get to do violence to this one. Yes. (laughs) You know, we're we're that dark animal and our heads are like, I am the savior. You know, how many saviors, you know, how many saviors Hitler was a savior. You're, uh, yeah. you know, you know what proves absolutely that what you're saying is true is all the uh, action movies, the superhero movies that we love. Yeah, we love going to the movies. We see Batman or the whatever the X Men, and they're like they're the good guys killing the bad guys. But at the end of the movie, there's like thousands of dead people, destroyed buildings. Yeah. Like half the world is like blown up, and they're supposed to be the good guys. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate the Avengers kind of playing with that. With that, what was that movie, Civil War or whatever? Yeah, oh, yeah, they, yeah, the carnage of their <laughs> their <laughs> coming back at them. All the people pissed that they blew up their city. Yeah, we're still on the Avengers side because they were only trying to protect, and they were, you know. But it's like, you know, it's great. Like, there's actually some like subtlety coming in. It's not just good guys and bad guys in these super big superhero movies. But yeah, a little more self-aware. I, I think that's one of the weirdest things that's been given to us in our current culture is that there are good guys and bad guys. Like I grew up with star Wars, you know, yep. there's Darth Vader and there's, you know, and there's some wonderful redemption stuff. Darth Vader turns out to be his father and turns to the good side before he dies and all that stuff. But fundamentally there's still that emperor, that dark one. Yep. And I think that's bullshit. I don't actually think there is a dark one. Well, you know, except for like the one we liked, we love to go watch in a movie the one we like to like let out on our children when we're pissed or the animals or the government or Donald Trump. 
you know, right. That's, that's the, the that's the dark one. That's the emperor. Yeah. Well, it's I not mean, outside. We, here. <laughs> <laughs> we we grow up so immersed in in that kind of way of seeing things. It's very difficult to to get out of it. I mean, yeah. Every I mean, what I see what happened at least at least from my very limited understanding and sight of the world, I see humans wanting to separate the world between good guys and bad guys. And then we try to like live the world through that. It's, it doesn't, it, 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 it lends itself. Now it's like, okay, well for me to control you, I just have to get you to convince. I just have to get you to see my enemies as bad. And then mm. I've got you. Mm. That's something Donald Trump excels at. Yeah. He makes his enemies bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, well, listen, it's been, yeah, yeah. It's been great right. talking to you. I'm going to have to wrap up. Unfortunately, this is a great conversation. We, uh, Lots of rants. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I hope it's listenable. <laughs> I think it will be. <laughs> yeah, it's been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Yes. I love the wild places we went. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on. Do you want to um, share a little bit about things you have going on? Uh, yes, definitely. Well, you know, we do teach workshops and we're actually in the middle of a the kind of, we're, we're bringing out a whole new set of workshops. So you don't actually have anything on the calendar for people if they're interested in exploring our work hmm. and exploring the darkness and having a place for them to, to dive in. But there will be soon. You can find us at the Light Dark Institute. And for anyone listening to this podcast who's like, oh man, I want in on that work. I want to discover how to do that and really get a taste and feel for that. We offer a really big experience. This is actually how we started as the Light Dark Institute is something called the Light Dark Experience where we take individuals or couples into a three-day experience with their darkness. And mm. it is a massively powerful transformation. It's, it's, it's a lot you get so much out of such a small amount of time and so much individual attention directly from, from myself and Tani. It's our kind of like VIP offering, but it's, 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 it's very powerful. So if you, mm. if, if anyone, if any of your listeners, if you feel like really like drawn, you might want to check that out. Um, mm. It's not an, it's an experience that we have a conversation with you about to see if you're ready for it. Mm. And if you're like, okay, I really, I just want to, I just want to get a taste for it. You can visit our website, lightdarkinstitute.com and we'll have new workshops coming out soon. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds, that's wonderful. Awesome. I can, I can recommend it. It's very intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Not joking around with the light and the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been wonderful having you in, in, in the work and it's been so good to connect with you over this, this conversation in this way. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate having you on here and I really agree that um, getting in touch with these parts of ourselves in the container and, and doing the work around it can help heal the world. Like I really see that. So. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support this show, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash a state of mind. If you would like to learn more about my work as a meditation teacher, therapist, and coach, please visit julianocean.us. For show notes and more information, please visit 
estateofmindplay.com. And I hope you all have a beautiful day.